0: Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the new podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with a couple of our own recommendations. My name is John Baum. here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Great to see you, Ali. What are we discussing this week?
1: And we're talking about The Peacemaker, the new series from the extended DC universe that starts this week on Binge. We're also gonna talk about a documentary, Beanie Mania, about the uh, collectible craze of the 90s. And then I think we've each got some picks uh, to call out of some shows that we've been uh, enjoying that you could keep a we recommend you keep a lookout for.
0: But first, Peacemaker. Have you ever heard of a guy named Peacemaker? Maybe I'm a grower, not a shower. What? An individual you don't like, and then you learn to like. You're comparing yourself to a chode. Not in a bad way. Your dad is not a good man. He's still family. My advice? Cut it out with the introspection. The mind is a den of scorpions better left running from, not towards. Ah! Created by James Gunn and a spinoff of his 2021 film The Suicide Squad, Peacemaker stars John Cena in the title role exploring the origins of the Peacemaker character, who believes in achieving peace at any cost. The first TV series to emerge from the DC Extended Universe, Peacemaker sets itself apart from more traditional superhero shows with a more cinematic, explicit, and at times goofy take on the genre that fans of James Gunn's films will no doubt love. If you don't know James Gunn by name, you'll definitely know some of his work, perhaps best known for directing the Guardians of the Galaxy films as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He made the jump to DC directing the Suicide Squad and now brings us the new HBO Max drama series Peacemaker. Ali, what do we need to know about watching this show?
1: The peacemaker is eight episodes of comedy and drama and fun and based on the first few episodes that you and i've had a chance to see john i think fans of john cena fans of james gunn and fans of the suicide squad in dc will be really interested to give the show a go it picks up from where the film finished. And the film, which is the 2021 film, The Suicide Squad, which will be coming to binge um, in a couple of months and had a limited release in Australia last year during COVID-interrupted theatrical releases where we were introduced to the Peacemaker character the first time. So the series picks up where the film kind of left off, but you don't need to have seen the film to dive straight in. It's effectively another character in the extended DC universe, a supervillain, as they say, um, who is being put to use um, and trained by the, the government agencies to try and help and not hurt uh, the world um, and you know, kind of try and put their, their metahuman skills to good use. So it's, it's fun. It's got a unique vibe. I think it's quite different to some of the other DC series that we've seen, things like Superman and Lois or things from the Arrowverse, and I think fans will be quite surprised by the tone and approach that it takes. It's almost goofy at points. Comedic,
0: yeah. I um, as someone who has not seen the twenty twenty one, the Suicide Squad, thanks to those COVID interruptions, I can attest that the show makes you know complete sense as a, as a standalone vehicle and does very helpfully open with sort of a previously on um, for those who maybe aren't as familiar with the, the Peacemaker character. Um, I think you, you you raise a really good point around the tone and the difference to I guess some of these other DC shows that people are very familiar with and that we also have on binge something like supermen and lois which has been a very popular series for us on binge and and is returning for a second season soon is kind of lauded for being this you know quite grounded family drama that just happens to explore the lives of supermen and lois and his and their children i think it's fair to say peacemaker could not sort of be further away from that show probably my favorite my favorite part of peacemaker at least initially is definitely the character of Eagley, john cena's pet eagle which is like <laughs> basically sort of like a if a labrador could fly <laughs> yeah tonally very different if you've like like we said if you've guardians of the galaxy and the suicide squad if you've seen those films i think you kind of have an idea of what you're in for but that said i think i think if you do enjoy these other dc superhero shows um you'll still definitely love this world it is quite a different tone and because unlike those other shows that are made for sort of more traditional tv networks this is made very much for streaming. So there's a bit more sex and a bit more violence and a bit more, yeah, as you said, sort of goofiness. So um, maybe a little warning if, you, if you're going to go in and watch this um, as a family. But um, yeah, lots of lots of fun. Three episodes are dropping on Thursday and then it's going out weekly. So you've definitely got a, a good chunk to, to jump into initially, but yeah, it is rolling out weekly from Thursday night.
1: Yeah, awesome. It kind of felt like... Pre, I mean, it's been made recently, but, you know, it's not PC. He's kind of this quite blokey middle-class American guy in the Captain America vein. You know, he's pro-America, pro-he's eagle. He says what he thinks. He's almost a bit like a college bro <laughs> super, superhero who is a hired assassin um, and kind of kills at any cost, but he's proudly superhero jackass style in his approach, what you, you might say. So, John, for those that haven't seen the film or are new to the DC universe, the Peacemaker, he is effectively a villain. Um, He's in jail. uh, He's a convict for doing the wrong thing and he gets recruited by the government to almost channel his um, super powers into government benefits as opposed to being a villain. And um, he is controlled by the government. They have effectively put a chip in his head and if he doesn't do... Um, As they instruct, there's the risk that he, um, the chip is activated and he's effectively killed. So he's under the control of the government, but they're basically putting him to use as a hired hitman to help them tackle the problems in the world. Who else is in this cast?
0: Yeah, so um, obviously uh, we've got John Cena as the lead. Um, The rest of the cast is round out with uh, comedian Steve Adji, Daniel Brooks, who people will know from Orange is the New Black Robert Patrick plays um, Peacemaker's father. If you don't know the name, you'll definitely know the face playing Terminator. He didn't play the Terminator; he was in mm-hmm. the Terminator. Uh, and ra- ra- rounding out the cast is um, Jennifer Holland, who's um, the NSA agent. But yeah, it's got relatively big cast and a, a couple we haven't mentioned, but um, are revealed over the course of the series.
1: And Viola Davis is back as she was in the film for certainly a small cameo in the first few
0: episodes, as we've seen. And Peacemaker is streaming now on Binge, and we'll leave the final word to uh, John Cena himself. What's up, Australia? It's John Cena from the brand new series, Peacemaker. You can stream Peacemaker right now on Binge. If I could describe Peacemaker in three words, they would be, holy fucking shit. It's a grenade I tied to a Russian tank shell. Why not just the grenade? Grenade blows up like two people. How many people does this blow up? I don't know. I invented it this morning. What? Eat peace, mother. The Beanie Baby craze of the late 90s is captured in all its insanity in the new documentary Beanie Mania, which not only looks at the origins of the collecting phenomenon, but the wider moment in time that saw it explode across the US and around the world, in large part thanks to the burgeoning popularity of dial-up internet in the family home. (laughs) 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 Ah, (laughs) Things got out of control. There were people out there who were buying the beanies, and this was their livelihood. The prices were an up 350, and up
1: 450, and up 900. My sales in
0: 1996 were 2.6 million dollars, and in 1997 they were 23 million dollars. Ally. I don't even know where to start with this. But for those who have not seen this documentary and maybe didn't grow up in the US in the late 90s, what is a Beanie Baby?
1: A Beanie Baby is effectively a soft toy. It's a plush toy. They're small miniature animals and, um, you know, stuffed with kind of bean bags. And they were created in the 90s by a guy called Ty Warner. Uh, He had a company called Ty Toys. He had a little Ty... heart hanging off the ear of the animals and he effectively kept them in demand by retiring certain animals from the collection. People never knew how many animals were being made, when they were being released, and when they were being retired. So you effectively created a little bit of a um, scavenger hunt mentality in people. He also was very clever in how he distributed it, where he didn't go through major stores like Toys R Us in the US. So you had to buy them from small stores. And it started as a kind of took off in a couple of US states. And then, as you said, with the internet, um, and people being able to track and trade these things online kind of exploded as a, a toy phase. I think what was really interesting about this for me is even if you don't know anything about plush toys or, or these particular toys, it's just a quite an interesting nostalgic look at internet phenomenon in the 90s. And again, a little bit of an insight into America, consumerism, and just quite an interesting tale of the business that became a phenomenon.
0: Yeah, I found this documentary like fascinating for so many reasons. It sort of blew up in this like secondary market where it was the fans who sort of created this craze for it because they were running from store to store trying to find them. And then they were starting their own magazines. They were like getting onto AOL chat rooms to talk to people. Yeah, I just found it this really like fascinating moment in time that obviously we've had collecting crazes in the past and we'll have them in the future. But for it to happen in the late... 90s just as the internet was taking off yeah I thought it was sort of this fascinating snapshot of, of, of a time in America um, and like like you said this whole sort of brand the Beanie Baby brand and the Thai Inc brand was all very much controlled by this one guy Thai Warner who is not interviewed at all through the documentary basically refuses to participate but lots of former employees and collectors and stuff are, are involved. So you do get this really interesting story. The fact that he's not involved kind of adds to the mystery of it. Yeah, I, there's just so many twists and turns. There's so much money. I, like we, I know we're talking about these like, like $5 little toys that at one point were even like Happy Meal toys, but we're talking about billions of dollars um, were getting gener- generated and you know people were buying Porsches and people were hiding money in offshore accounts like... Yeah. I I just found it fascinating. And even though it is about this like silly toy, I feel like the the documentary could have just as easily been about like fine art could have just as easily been about like Bitcoin or NFTs today. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I just think it's fascinating that there's something very timely about this idea of like scarcity um, and supply and demand and people sort of pegging their hopes on something going up in value, even though, like, is it just a collective delusion that everyone thought they were going to send their kids to college over the price of Beanie Babies and...
1: It's really interesting. I think that you tap into some really interesting points there. So put aside Beanie Babies and, you know, the toy market, because I'm sure that's quite a niche area of interest for most people or in terms of people that would, unders- would have remembered this phase. For me, yeah, it starts off with a bit of a look of, you know, nostalgia. Then it looks at America in the 90s because this is also quite a privileged group of people that are collecting these in the end, isn't it? It kind of starts with kids and then their parents almost take over the the phase. It's it's not young people (laughs) um, kind of wanting the beanie babies. It's almost like these Midwestern women because the first craze popped up in Illinois and then you start hearing about these women ringing around the country to smaller shops to collect them and that kind of spread it further so then you're like okay this is quite interesting what was going on with these mainly mums or women um that were kind of driving the craze I suppose then the third element of it is almost that corporate fraud component which corporate fraud might be taking it a step too far but who was this Willy Wonka kind of character that was passionate about toys and wanted to make toys but then recluse didn't want to do any media didn't almost he and by being elusive he almost kept the toy demand higher because people didn't know what this was all about and what his next move was going to be.
0: And uh, that was a a very excited Luna, um, Ali's dog in the background, who's obviously a big Beanie Baby fan.
1: (laughs) Or barking to go outside. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, Maybe she agrees that, yeah, Ty Warner was... um, recluse but he and then you've got this element of who was this guy what was his motivation some disgruntled employees which makes it really interesting the fact that as you mentioned there's there's fraud or tax fraud I think he um, ended up being charged and pleaded guilty to um, not paying his taxes uh, Swiss bank accounts it's really interesting so it's a bit of an easy binge it's nearly an hour and a half long but it's got a Good bit of substance to it as well. I thought there were lots of interesting points that it clicked onto. Um, your point about FOMO, I think, is an interesting one. NFTs, what next? Get rich quick. Is it too good to be true? Lots, um, lots here to, to get you thinking. So, you've got a bit of tax avoidance, you've got crazy housewives collecting little stuffed animals. You've got a, a look at the nineties and a, a big um, heap of nostalgia. But then at the end of the documentary, you find out that in, the, in last year alone, there were 3000 videos of Beanie Babies uploaded to YouTube. So after I finished watching this, I did go down a black hole of watching a new generation of influencers, uh, talk about the craze and find you know collections of these up in the attic. And I do wonder, is this craze over or will we be seeing a Beanie Babies take two?
0: And, uh, you know, just to our earlier conversation about Suicide Squad, I was, um, you know, browsing what I guess is the very old uh, Thai toys website and did see a bunch of uh, Groot Beanie Babies. So um, there's plenty plenty of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, other Marvel and DC merch now in Beanie Baby form that you can uh, get your hands on. Let me tell you a story about a tiny ties who's he created these bees that make me hot. Beanie wrap. It's a beanie wrap. It's a beanie wrap. i all tied up. Somebody
1: offered me $100,000. I said no. So we've got over superheroes or supervillains stuffed toys and interesting documentaries and now we are at the dinner party recommendations we're not having a lot of dinner parties in lots of parts of australia in the world at the moment because of a little thing called covid but if you were around the dinner table with your mates talking about some shows that you've watched recently john and would recommend what is john's dinner party recommendation for the week
0: uh so this is a very john show and i've no doubt recommended it to you in um in person in the past but Um, having not had the chance to share it with the wider podcast audience, um, I thought I would take the opportunity to talk about Mrs. Fletcher.
1: Ever since my son went away to college, I've been having these crazy fantasies.
0: Looking at what we really want can be terrifying. What scares you? I don't want to be a good girl anymore. So, Mrs. Fletcher is from 2017 so it's not that old um, it's again it's only seven and a half hours so it's a very um, sort of easy watch ac- across a weekend um, It is based on the novel of the same name so people might be um, slightly familiar with the story uh, but basically it is about a mother and son who are it's sort of a coming of age for both the mother and the son who are sort of facing new chapters in their lives. The mother is going through a divorce and sort of midlife and the show kicks off with her high school age son sort of moving off to college. So, you know, there's a number of things coalescing in her life and her son's life that sort of kick them both off on this sort of coming of age journey of various types of awakenings and um, reflection and entering new chapters of your life. I feel like I've absolutely buried the lead, which of course is that Mrs. Fletcher is played by Catherine Hahn who's definitely having a moment these days, of course, through WandaVision and a number of other things, but she is fantastic as Mrs. Fletcher in this. It's a very self-contained story, obviously based on a novel, so there is no second season. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen next because there is no next. But yeah, absolutely love this show. I don't know what, what else to say for it besides go and watch it.
1: I've noticed it in the carousel a couple of times, John, and I have, haven't have watched this myself, so it's good to know what it's about. And I love the fact you said seven half-hour episodes, so it's almost yes. like a double movie. What will you come out of it feeling?
0: Um, I was going to say depressed, but I don't think that's...
1: <laughs> you Go won't. out and watch uh, it, everyone.
0: No, no, you won't. Um, it, it is kind of hopeful. This woman, Mrs Fletcher, the main character, she's... I don't even know what middle-aged is. I think that's just what the marketing describes it as. She's like maybe early 40s, but she has a, a like a college-age son and her job's not great and, you know, her son's just moved out and she kind of, I guess, starts to find herself, you know, parts of her brain that were filled up with raising her son and dealing with a shitty husband sort of free themselves up. And then, you know, she goes to a she goes and does a, like a creative writing course and she like starts to watch a bit of porn for the first time in her life starts to date so yeah it's it, it is hopeful I think in that it's you know it's about new chapters and finding yourself and that you know your life isn't over just because your your kid's grown up and equally interestingly the son is a really interesting character he's this really jockey broy, like college you know cliche quarterback American kid who was clearly very popular at high school and got along great with the ladies and all that. And then now has moved into college life. And uh, it's kind of nice to see that that doesn't all go exactly to plan for him. And that, you know, the real world and real people outside of high school sort of enter into his life. And, you know, he has to deal with a lot of changes and new environments and new people. So, yeah, it covers a lot of territory it's really interesting. You know, I think you can tell it's sort of based on a novel in the way it sort of plays out. But yeah, this is, it's a real, it's a real John show, I think.
1: I think it's good timing as well. New year, people make new resolutions or promises or goals for the year. And like you said, she's starting a, sounds like she's starting a new chapter, making yeah. way in her life for something new.
0: So that's Mrs. Fletcher. All, all seven episodes are streaming on. Binge, as I did mention, it's, it's based on a book of, of the same name, Mrs. Fletcher, by the author uh, Tom Perotta, who also wrote um, the novel The Leftovers, which the series The Leftovers is also based on, and that's also, also streaming on Binge for you to check out. But Ali
1: this is almost becoming a book club recommendation as much as a tv show because mine is also based on a book so uh and (laughs) so i want to talk this week about the inventor out for blood in silicon valley for those that follow the news um and the financial news especially there has been a case against a woman a 37 year old woman called elizabeth holmes that's been playing out um for the last couple of years and this is a 2019 documentary about her life so the documentary will not include the most recent um, findings in a court case, which has found her guilty of criminal fraud and wire fraud. Um, this is a really interesting documentary. It goes about two hours and it looks at who Elizabeth Holmes is and, and what this whole um, issue was. But you have effectively got the story of a Silicon Valley biotech health company startup, one of those kind of unicorn startups that just rose in valuation. I think the company ended up getting valued at $9 billion. And the company itself, and this is a bit of a side story, you don't have to be into biotech and healthcare to find this interesting. Um, Elizabeth Holmes came up with this idea. She went to Stanford, she dropped out um, because she just wanted to start building her business idea. But her idea was to find a more efficient way of blood collection. So normally, when you give blood, um, they obviously take a massive vial, and you know they do lots of different tests. And they, if you're getting tested for lots of different things, they split it and send it off in lots of different things. But costly and and quite complex process, but also a lot of blood and a big vial needed. She came up with this idea that um, that basically revolutionised blood testing, or promised to. And the fact that in a in a tiny little um, you know volume, even as small as a, a just pricking your finger and getting a tiny bit of blood um, that she said was going to basically revolutionize health. This um, business, like I said, grew to be hugely valuable. Um, lots of different people joining it, but it, it really is a story of um, a house of cards um, and it follows her, herself, Elizabeth Holmes and her COO at the time, a guy called Sonny Balwani um, and the way they ran this company and, and how she almost wanted to be a a Steve Jobs style demigod. She's interviewed heavily in this and there's a lot of stock footage and previous interviews that are drawn into this and it's just an amazing insight into what was going on in this woman's motivation um, and what she was kind of chasing. Did she really believe in this or did she know all along it wasn't possible because what boils down without giving it away is um, the small blood testing that was being promised perhaps wasn't possible. So I just found it really interesting. It's got a a big thing about the role of the media, as is often a case in in some of these true crime and real life things. They were a big part of talking her up. Um, You know, she was on the cover of Forbes magazine, the youngest self-made American billionaire, female billionaire um, in history. But equally, um, that opened the gates for lots of other investigative journalism. And you hear from the New Yorker, the Wall Street Journal, um, Forbes magazine, and some really qualified and experienced journalists who were maybe on board in the early days and with some further um, investigation ended up discovering that this this was actually not as as you seemed. Forbes famously um, republished an article where they revised their $9 billion valuation down to zero. So I think it was just always also really interesting to see the role of journalism and the media um, in this story. She was a woman who was you know, had met Biden and all the politicians and had all the contacts in the world, but at the end of the day was selling something that, that was effectively a con. And this week she's just been found guilty, whether she goes to jail or I think she's currently out on bail. So we'll see where next in this story. So that's called The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. Have you watched it?
0: Yes, I have. It's think? um Oh, I loved it. it again, this is like so up my alley. Yeah, it's a fascinating character study because you kind of do watch it and go, did she genuinely think she was like gonna make this breakthrough? Was she hoping she would fake it till she would she made it? Was the pressure of like all this attention and money, does that turn a person to just have to start to lie? Like, do you panic? Are you in a corner? And like when you have all these famous people on your board and I've I've been listening to um one of the many podcasts that are about Elizabeth Holmes and the case. And it's been interesting to hear how, again, this isn't covered in documentary because the case is kind of only happening right now their sort of argument has been that she did everything in good faith, like that she was never, you know, she would have purposely lying. She always, you know, had the ambition that these things would work or that they sort of worked and that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't this bold faced lie just to make money. But then you watch the documentary and you have to think, well, like, how did you get this far down the line? Like, how did you tell this many lies? And yeah, it's fascinating because it's not super clear. Like, you know, she genuinely thought she was going to change the world and change medicine. And yeah, I I also think what's worth pointing out is um, obviously, you know, you don't have a lot of sympathy for billionaires losing a couple of million dollars on investments, but there was like, there's a real human cost to her lies. Like people didn't get diagnoses that they thought they, like people died because they thought they were getting their blood tested for things and they weren't. So yeah, it's it's very serious what she's accused of.
1: And- really good point because not only it wasn't just like an online health or like a small idea that never went mainstream these services and her blood testing services were available in mainstream pharmacies across the u.s it was you know heavily it he- was heavily penetrated um and effectively they were covering up for a long time weren't they that it wasn't actually working they weren't even testing or they were merging blood samples and um then there's an also a kind of an interesting twist in it. It's revealed that she's actually having a relationship with the COO as well. They, they're they no longer together. She's since, I don't know if she's remarried, but she's had a child with a new partner. But yeah, just one of those, why did she do it? What's the truth? Makes you think afterwards. I really enjoyed it. I know it's a few years old, but the story continues.
0: Yeah. And this documentary is, you know, definitely kind of like the origin story. And I think there's going to be tons of noise over the next year, especially once the her sentencing is done. Yeah, if you're not super familiar with the story, I would absolutely start with this documentary because I think there's a couple of dramas or dramas or movies in the works about this as well. But yeah, um, I would definitely start with with the inventor. Um, it's directed by Alex Gibney, um, who's done a bunch of brilliant sort of feature doco and doco series, a couple of which we have on binge, um, including. Crazy, Not Insane, and The Crime of the Century, which was um, about sort of the, the op- opioid crisis in the US. But yeah, brilliantly made, great filmmaker, and yeah, I guess we'll probably be talking about this for a little while.
1: <laughs> what do you dream for? That less people have to say goodbye too soon to people they love.
0: I had heard about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, but you know, her story is so compelling. She was going to herald a revolution in medical treatment in this country. It was obviously such an incredible story. A woman creating this nine billion dollar company. Everyone worshipped the ground she walked on. She could do no wrong. She was the next Steve Jobs. The idea with the Edison was to stick the lab inside the box. She wanted Edison devices in every home in America. This could be the apple of healthcare. You all are part of something that is going to change our world. What higher purpose is there? Elizabeth came to me and she described her idea. It's impossible physically. Ali, thanks so much for your time again this week. Uh, This week we discussed Peacemaker. Uh, We talked about Beanie Mania. I recommended that you all check out Mrs. Fletcher. And Ali suggested the documentary feature The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. These are all streaming on binge, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, but most likely the first three episodes of Peacemaker will be out and ready for you to watch. You can, of course, find binge on any of your favorite devices. I'm John Baum, and on behalf of Ali and myself, thanks so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates, and we will be back next week.